It is Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today presented to you by these guys over at Shady Rays. Not only the best looking shades in the entire business, but when you lose them or break them, they will replace them. I am Chris Rose, joined as always by Trevor Plouffe, producer Dan, intern Alden are along for the ride as well. You're wearing your John Boy jersey. Are you excited because in six days we've got the All-Star game in our fair city? I am, and I love your attitude today. Like you're coming in ready to go. Yes. Um, and in that fashion, yes, I am ready to go for the All-Star game. We have the Derby. We got the watch party. You know, we got – I got the draft coming. I got to like – figure out what i'm wearing to that maybe i'll ask you you're a man of fashion Ooh. Uh, no it, baseball's hot a lot of th- a lot of things to talk about and then a lot of stuff coming up like this is this is when baseball starts to get really fun oh yeah uh so there is a vip party that you can attend if you're in the los angeles area that'll happen on the day of the all-star game tuesday july 19th it is happening at boomtown brewery not far from dodger stadium Special VIP uh, tickets are available. Check out our social media channels for the details, but it'll happen from 2.30 to 4.30 local time. And if you're not able to make that, you can join us for the free watch party, meaning that you can just come on into the bar. We'll be there. The nice thing about the VIP event is it's much more intimate. There's much more like one-on-one time. If you're looking to hang out and talk to Jimmy or Jake or Joe's or uh, Plouffe or anybody else that may interest you, Paxton, uh, all the wonderful people that are coming out here, and we have more than 20 people migrating from east to west for the Midsummer Classic. I heard there's only like 15 or so left, so, so they're going get quickly. On like, you got to go. Yeah, it's going to be on. fun. I said that's my favorite part of All-Star Week, and I stand yep. by that because we rely at John Boy Media and all the shows that we do so much on fan interaction because that's kind of what we're based. We're, we're like, a, it's fan media, if you will. Yep. Um, so it's good to, you know, get some FaceTime with those people, our moderators in the chat, all that good stuff. So I can't wait for that. Well, um, we had some breaking news during baseball today that Charlie Montoya has been fired by the Toronto Blue Jays. They came into Wednesday's action as the third wild card team, just a half game lead over the Seattle Mariners, two over Baltimore, two over Cleveland, three and a half over Chicago. They've had a brutal month of July. Uh, They were kind of a chic pick to at least make the World Series, if not win the World Series, including one of the dudes on this show. Are you shocked that he's been fired? Kind of, yeah. I'm I'm scrolling Twitter right now to see, you know, like if there was something that happened, if this is just from on-field play this year, I'm a little shocked. Let's remember... I thought it was one of the least talked about stories in the 2021 season. The fact that the Blue Jays were eliminated on the last day of the season after having started their year playing in Dunedin, Florida, then playing in Buffalo, and then finally getting to play the last couple of months of the season up in Toronto. So essentially their entire team got traded twice last year and a very young team at that and they hung in there the entire way. You didn't hear any bitching and moaning about that. And I gave Charlie Montoya a lot of credit for being able to hold that ship going in the right direction. And now here we are in the middle of the season, and he's been shit-canned. Wow. He's not – I mean, he's not the pitching coach. Like, he, he appointed some struggles with Barrios. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know there was a challenge last night that, you know, a lot of people are bringing up, but, like – I guess I haven't watched 
a crazy amount of Blue Jays games? Has he been just like terrible in some of these in-game decisions? I haven't heard that. I know they're not where they need to be or where they thought they were going to be. Currently, they're fourth place in the AL East, but they are above 500, uh, you know, with plenty of season left to go. This is, this is very shocking to me. We just, we just talked about Tony La Russa and like all the things that he's done. He's sitting there comfy as a cat. Is that even a, a saying? I don't know. I just made that well, up. Well, it is now. It, it is now. He's comfy as a cat over there. And Montoya's getting fired. I love Charlie. I played uh, – he was a coach with the, with the Rays when I was there. Nice guy. I was very happy when he got the job. I felt like he was going to be the Jay Skipper for a long time. Like, uh, yeah, this is, this this is, is really there's surprising. There's got to be something. There's something else going on here, don't you think? Well, it, this comes just – three months after he signed a one-year extension that would take him through next season. Not that that's huge, that huge a deal that that company has got a gazillion dollars. So an extra year of Charlie Montoya's salary on the books is not the reason to keep a guy around, but I will be very interested to hear from that clubhouse after today's game. Um, I am. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's really jarring that you have a team that because we've seen teams just kind of sputter along. Look at the Atlanta Braves last year, right? They didn't even get to 500 until August. A week later, they take over first place. And then they go on that great run. I'm not saying that's exactly what would have happened with Toronto. And yeah, they've been disappointing because most of their guys have been around for the season. Most of them, they've had some injuries here and there, but you know what? So have the Mets. How can you say it's a disappointing season? Like, how could you, you can't point to that because we're like, there's still so much baseball left to play. No, but to this point, wouldn't you have expected more out of the Blue Jays than it just doesn't being matter though. It doesn't matter, dude. Doesn't we matter. have so much baseball left to play. I just don't understand this at all. Like there has to be, there has to be something else. We can't, we can't be this reactionary with managers. My goodness, guys. Like, come on. So you don't think it's just about wins and losses. You think that there's something, whether it's the guys don't believe in him, they're not following him, that there's something going on in that clubhouse that would have warranted this. It's either in the clubhouse or a clash with the front office. The, those are the things that, are, that have to happen. You can't, you cannot do this, you know, at this point in the season. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, their bullpen has not been great outside of Romano. It's been inconsistent at best. The Ryu injury was disheartening for them. Uh, I I don't know. I feel like their offense has been okay. I mean, maybe a little underperforming. It's, it's, their offense is just fine. I, I mean, yeah, there are like, Kikuchi hasn't really uh, worked out for them. No, Ryu getting hurt, he, that hasn't worked out. But that's uh, not but a Charlie Montoya problem. It's not. That's what I'm saying. The manager's not out there with these guys like going over pitching plans or you know working in bullpens. He's just not. And this is a team that has spent heavily, right? I mean, they've given out $100 million contracts to Springer, Barrios, Gossman. They gave nice, a nice sweet deal to Kikuchi, Ryu. Uh, they've traded for Matt Chapman. This um, is a team that's currently in the playoffs. In the fucking playoffs, Ciro. So, like, there, this is clearly something happened. Big argument, something happened. We won't get that either. We'll, we'll get somebody... Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro, two guys I really like, by the way, and respect the whole lot um, from their days in Cleveland. Somebody's going to get in front of a microphone and just say, hey, listen, we just had different ways of thinking. We love Charlie as a guy. We wish we didn't have to do this. 
but this is the way it's got to go. Positive run differential, um, 26 and 18 at home. They're four games under 500 on the road, but that's to be expected. Um, they're not too bad against teams over 500. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm trying to find something. All right. In the meantime, let's get to today's topics on baseball today. And the first question, which confused Trevor Plouffe. So here we go. Albert Pujols, home run number 685 last night as the Cardinals took care of the Dodgers in the first game of their set. And then he celebrated with Nelly afterward, which I love. And we can talk a little bit about that as well. Now, of course, Albert Pujols is on his way out. Adam Wainwright, we believe, is on his way out. Yadier Molina is on his way out. He's turning 40 today, by the way. So happy birthday to Yadier. Happy birthday. Does that triumvirate leaving after everything they have done for that city and for the league, does that make them a sentimental favorite down the stretch and if they get in the playoffs? Of course it does. I mean, like every championship team has a story and you need to have some sort of, you know, vibe behind you. I think with the Cardinals, it's like maybe like a passing of the guard, like a passing of the torch. You got some young guys coming up. Like, for instance, yesterday, Nolan Gorman hits a homer, youngest guy in the roster. Albert Pujols hits a homer, oldest guy to ever play baseball in the history of the world. Like, this is fun for us. And they have that storyline. These guys coming back, especially with Albert coming back and being, you know, in, uh, in that uniform again, it just makes for that story, uh, makes it a much better story, but they're also on the field favorites as well. Like this is a very good baseball team. It's not all just, you know, these guys leaving, like they have a very good baseball team. They're very easy to root for. And I love Pujols celebrating with Nelly last night. I can just imagine those two, you know, the conversations they've had over the years, um, just a lot of fun. Well, Nelly was a damn good baseball player when he was coming up. He was scouted by the Cardinals. He was scouted by the Pirates. Uh, used to He used to come on Best Damn a lot. And lo- all he wanted to do was talk about baseball. All he wanted to do was talk about the Cardinals. I love it that he was sitting there front row and that Pujols, you know, celebrated with him afterward. I thought that was fantastic. Now, when I formulated the question, the reason I asked it was because the Cardinals, they have the Cardinal way, right? And it's a little stuffy, to be honest with you. Like, well, that's the Cardinal way. And I don't think, I think the Cardinals are beloved in the middle part of the country. Like, if you didn't have a team to root for, the Cardinals were your team. Just for decades, they've always been consistently good, it feels like. I don't think outside of the Midwest that they're beloved. And I'll be curious that if they're, if your team's out of it and the Cardinals make it, will people hop on that bandwagon? I'm not so sure they will. I have a different take on that. I feel like people do love the Cardinals. And one of the reasons is Yachty. Like Yachty, if you go around the league and you talk to people who are respected and and you ask them who their favorite player is or who they love to watch, a lot of them will say Yachty. You know, like just what he's meant to that organization, the way he handles a game. Like catchers are cool. Like especially a guy like Yachty who's been able to do it for so long. So these guys are easy to root for. They're not like evil villain type guys. Like these no, guys not are villains, real. But they're- baseball dudes yeah but there there's a little bit you don't think that there's been an air of well this is the way we do it here and if you don't get on board it's a little bit the patriot way to be honest with you i don't hate it you got to have an identity as an organization and yeah like the cardinal way i get it but like i like the way the cardinals play baseball i like the way that they're team first i mean that that 
that works for them. It doesn't have to work for every organization, mm-hmm. but with the, with this group of guys, and you talked, I talked to Flaherty all the time about this. Like, what do these guys mean? He loves Yachty and, and all the advice he's gotten. Wayno, obviously, like, I don't want to say like they do it and that's the only way, but it is a right way to do things in the big leagues. Like the, the way they go about their business, I love it, dude. And, you know, I'm going to be rooting for them among other teams too. You know, I kind of just, go with the wind on that but yes you do i don't i you're what you're saying is you think people see them as villainish no i I, they're like or just not villainish i think sometimes the perception and personally i like the organization i've always enjoyed dealing with them and i've always liked the players i think they've always been stand-up guys and they've talked to you they're not villains at all and so i don't want it to come out the wrong way but i also think that it's a little boring stale um, I'm all for individual individuality, and I don't want that ever to be suppressed. So I'd be curious to talk to Flaherty if he ever felt like that was suppressed. Because like when Gronk and I only take it when Gronk left New England, and even when Brady left New England, it was like they could be who they were. I I think they're and we're, and we're talking about these guys a lot. I kind of love it. I think they're the, just the right level of team over self. They allow guys to be like, to have a personality like mm-hmm. Jack, Jack has a personality and he I, he's never told me he's felt, you know, oppressed there, whatever we saw Yachty. I think this was two years ago, maybe during the COVID year, throwing his bat out to center field after the walk-off, like they do stuff like they And like, if you like watch these guys play baseball, they're a, ton of fun to watch but that was um, to get back at somebody that that throwing of the bat was in a reaction to somebody yeah. but like i think it's just and i think you need to be that way you can't have a bunch of people just like off on their own it's me 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 like in this team sport you have to have a team over self and i think it's just the right amount it's not like completely like mm-hmm. you know okay only the team like i think they do it the right way i really do. i could be convinced of it i just wanted to bring it up because i just was curious think about about all the guys that have played there that kind of like shine have great personalities well um, listen wainwright extra fowler yeah wainwright john jay like these are guys that i know personally that like i mean they are they have personality but they do there was a sense of buying into the organization that do that that's helped them and this is every single year the cardinals are in contention and it right. has something to do with the players, but I think the way they approach the game too, with that, with that top, um, like that's their number one rule, like being selfless, you know, putting the team in front, working hard. And then, yeah, you can be yourself too. I think they just do it just the right way. Okay. We got to move on. Let's be a little quicker on some of these topics. Uh, O's have won nine in a row for the first time since 1999. They are at 500 this late in the season for the first time since 2017. How much more of this squad do you need to see before you're like, I'm in? Uh, uh, quite a bit more. I love watching them. There's some, been some great performances there. I think they're still going to be sellers at the deadline. Um, Britt Garaldi came out with a great article uh, talking about how they shouldn't trade Mancini. Like, this is the one guy they should keep. He's a veteran leader there. They keep talking about how fun the clubhouse is right now. Every single article you read on the Orioles, like, our clubhouse is banging right now. Like, we're having a great time. Well, you're winning a lot of games. It's very easy to have fun when you're winning all these games. I think, you know, if you really want me to buy in this year, I need to see like a four game, five game losing streak. And I need to see how they bounce back from that. Mm. After this, you have the confidence now 
And like, but it's really easy to do that. I want to see how you react after you've had this success going, having a losing streak because it's going to happen. How do you react to that? Um, and if they can come back from that, like, I think that's going to be served. That's going to serve them well for the rest of this year and the upcoming years where we're really going to be looking at the Orioles as contenders, as these guys graduate to the big leagues, as you know, Rushman gets a little bit more dirt on his spikes. Like this is, this is going to be an organization we're going to be talking about over the next couple of years. Um, for me this year, it's, you know, they've, it's, they've had a good run, Chris, but I'm not, you know, counting them in for a wild card spot just now. I still think long-term the front office is thinking sell this year to provide for the next couple of years. Um, I'd be very surprised if they kind of like went in and bought and like tried to be extra competitive at the end of the year this year. I don't think it's going to happen. Nope. I, they've been a remarkable story. One of the best stories of the first half of the year. If they don't finish last in the AL East, I'll be shocked. And that's no indictment on them. I think the division's that good. They had four very teams good. that won 90 games last year. I just, if they finish 500, that's a miracle. They won 52 games last year. Is that what it was? They, yeah, uh, they lost 110 games last yeah, year. 52 and 110, yep. In fact, according to stats, I saw this last night, they are the second big league team in history to lose 110 plus games one season, then have at least a nine-game winning streak the following year. You know the other team in the history of baseball that did that? You got Minnesota it. Minnesota Twins? The 1889 Louisville Colonels. Okay. Okay. Yep. So they went 27 and 111 one year. <laughs> Can you imagine going 20, wow. getting 27 wins in a baseball season? Oh, I can't. I've been on some bad teams. This is not fun. Yeah. And so it's a testament to these guys for, you know, yeah. battling back in a tough division. And I think, you know, at some point you just get sick of losing and, you know, there's some sort of spark, whether it's just a random victory or someone says something that you fired up, but these guys have been played inspired ball. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm happy for them, you know, but there are in a tough division. And like I said, let me see what you guys do after a four gamer. That's smart. Can you answer? Okay, according to The Athletic, uh, the MLB, the MLB, where did I mm. copy and paste that? That's my pet peeve. Somebody yeah, wrote bad. the MLB. MLB will implement chalk lines behind second base, forming a sort of pie-shaped right angle. They're going to do this in the Florida State League starting next week. So if you can kind of imagine, we'll put it up on YouTube. But if you're just listening via audio today, Behind second base, there's going to be a pie section where defenders cannot start the play. So it's going to open up the middle of the field. Uh, as we seemingly creep closer to banning some sort of shift at the major league level, are you excited to see how this plays out? I am excited to see how it plays out. I think hitters all around the world are jumping for joy. I mean, that's maybe one of the worst feelings on the baseball field, when you square a ball back up the middle, then you see either the shortstop or the second baseman just sitting there. And, you know, everybody in the dugout, that's been a hit for a hundred years. If you're going to implement shifts, like this is, this has to be one that you do because right now uh, the, the way we understood it before this was two fielders on either side of the base. Well, you can stand right next to second base and be right up the middle. Uh -huh. So you, I think if they're going to change things, this is, this is a smart move. Keep the middle open, keep the guys two guys on either side of second base. And then I believe they're also keeping them on the dirt. Yes. We've had this discussion before. Like I get it. Like pitchers aren't going to be happy about this, but there, there needed to be something done. 
fans need to see guys go be athletes. I think this is probably good. I want to see it play out, but it makes sense to me because if you're going to start shift or banning the shift, like this makes a lot of sense up the middle, totally. keep it open. I am all for it. I am all for it. And you know, for people who are like, well, they don't do that in other sports. The hell they don't. Of course, the they NFL do. always changes its rules to favor the offense. NBA is constantly they you can play a zone, but you can't play a zone in the NBA. Like it's the weirdest thing ever. Nobody understands the rules, but they have the rules. Why? Because they want to increase offense. They want to increase ball movement, all that sort of stuff. We need to do the same here. And for all you people that are fans of saying, well, the sport has just gotten too smart and we're punishing people for knowing where to place their defenders. Yeah, it's exactly what we're doing. Basically, And guess yes. what? It's time to do it. Because I'm sick of watching a game with my 16-year-old son who plays baseball, seeing somebody hit a rocket up the middle and the shortstop has it hit him in the chest. And he goes, see, Dad, that's why I fucking go play video games instead of watch baseball. Because I'm taught to hit the ball up the middle. And if that happens to me, forget it. I'm not interested. And when I hear that out of the next generation of fan, the sport's in trouble. So I am all for anything that will create more movement, more athleticism, more plays. And this yeah, is a one good of shot. One of the knocks on the twins was, you know, for a long time, they would teach like, hey, hit the ball hard on the ground to second base, like in, in practice. And, and then we started to say, why the fuck would we want to hit the ball hard on the ground to second base? But, you know, hey, as a shift came, maybe they were right. And that's how we're going to be teaching people, you know, just knocking the ball the other way. I think this is great. Like you said, you know, we just want to see these guys be athletes. Let's not take that away from them. Like put them in a position that they can go and entertain the fans. Let's not forget as baseball players, we are entertainers. That's it. I am looking forward to it. I can't wait. And uh, for all the people who are saying, well, the whole other side of the field is open when they shift. Why don't they just learn to hit the other way? How hard is it to hit 97 with sink when it's in on your hands to go hit it the other way? Ploof. Is that tough? It's very tough. They're pitching into the shift, people. They're pitching you to hit that way. Like, that's that's the thing. And, you know, it's – I get it, it. There can be backlash. That's fine. And you're allowed to yeah. feel a certain way, but I think you're going to – I think people will appreciate the game more when we start to implement these shifts. The offense comes around. We're seeing these guys run around the field. I think it's just, it's a, it's just a better – it's a better experience for fans. Finally, uh, as we get out of here, let's all, uh, let's all smile together as um... – one of the great videos that's been hopping around the interweb, as people like to call it, Tommy Morrissey, 11 year old up in Cooperstown, uh, does not have a full right arm and is just mashing home runs left and right. And you just sit here and you smile, Tommy, we're all so happy for you. You're obviously a baller. Have you seen his golf video from a bunch of years ago with Tiger Woods? I I did. I did. I went and I went and looked at it. It's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah. He, yeah. It's, it's cool. First of all, I love Cooperstown. Um, I played there. It's amazing. Um, and then, but to see him do this and like with some power too, uh, very impressive. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know how he does it, but he's figured it out and he looks good, man. So congratulations. Yeah. I think it's great. It's such a good story. And for him to just soak up that atmosphere, that is a, that is the best place to play. If you can get your team up there during your 12 U year, you know, you can sprinkle in a few 11s, obviously, if they're studs like Tommy, then uh, get up there. You will as many great things as are said about that place. It's even better. And you'll go yeah. you'll get to go back in a few years as a dad. Is does he pitch too, Tommy? I don't know. I haven't seen video of that. Um, 
you know, obviously one of the most remarkable stories that we have in major league baseball is that of Jim Abbott who Mm -hmm. was born without a right hand and was a great collegiate player, including a great hitter at the university of Michigan, where I believe he hit like three ninety one year or something. I'd have to look that one up. And then of course in the major leagues ended up throwing a no hitter. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Shout out Tommy. Yep. Tommy go do your thing. Speaking of doing your thing. What do you have on John boy media? No one sixty three. There are tiebreakers. Sorry, Alden just got back to us. Um, yeah. um, John Boy Media. I have our midweek episode of Talking Baseball coming out. We basically talked about the home run derby and guys we wanted to see in there. We kind of like mm. said who our picks were going to be. Really fun episode. We're going to be changing our midweek episode up uh, a little bit there, where we kind of just find some good topics and just go off and and give us give our opinions on it. Uh, before we were doing something a little bit different. I think fans like this more. So go check that out. Tell us what you think. Chris, what do you got? Uh, The Cleveland Guardians catching duo, the best-looking catching combination in the history of Major League Baseball, according to Austin Hedges and Luke According to themselves, yeah. Yes. (laughs) 300 hitter between the both of them. Between the two of them. When you add it up, they're 300. (laughs) Uh, Hilarious. I mean, you'll just enjoy it. There's great story after story. They rip on each other. Uh, Maley and Hedges actually faced off against one another where Maley had to pitch to Hedges in a major league game a few years ago. And um, yes, let's just say one owns the other for the rest of eternity. So that one is coming out tomorrow. The David Bednar episode is still already out. And other than that, go get your VIP tickets because there are very few remaining for next Mm -hmm. Tuesday in Los Angeles. Okay. Great. Uh, That'll do it for today's edition for the melancholy producer extraordinaire, Dan Rourke, our summer intern, Alden Stone and Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Thursday on baseball today presented to you by Shady Rays.